Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya We'll be reading from Shimon Bhagavatam, Canto 6, Chapter 5, Text 40. Um, uh, I'd like to start with Oma Gyana prayers on behalf of us all. Oma Gyana Timirandas Yaginanganan Shalakaya Chakshun Militam Yena Tajmaye Shri Guravenama. Netam Pungsang Viragasyat. Netang Pungsang Varagasyat. Tvaya Kevalinamusha. Tvaya Kevalinamusha. Manyaseya Jupashamang. Manyaseya Jupashamang. Sneha Pasha Nikrintanam Sneha Pasha Nikrintanam Netang Pungsang Viragasyat Tvaya Kevalina Mursha Manyaseya Jupashamang Sneha Pasha Nikrintanam Netang Pungsang Viraghasyat Tvaya Kevalinam Rasha Manyaseya Jupashamang Sneha Pasha Nikrintanam Na, not, itham, in this way, pungsam, of persons, viraga, renunciation, siat, is possible, tvaya, by you, kevalinamrsha, possessing knowledge falsely, Manyase, you think. Yadi, if. Upashamam, renunciation of material enjoyment. Snehapasha, the bonds of affection. Nikrintanam, cutting. Translation and purport by Sila Prabhupada. Prajapati Daksha continued, If you think that simply awakening the sense of renunciation will detach one from the material world, I must say that unless full knowledge is awakened, simply changing dresses as you have done cannot possibly bring detachment. Please repeat. Prajapati Daksha continued, If you think that simply awakening the sense of renunciation will detach one from the material world, I must say that unless full knowledge is awakened, simply changing dresses, as you have done, cannot possibly bring detachment. Purport. Prajapati Daksha was correct in stating that changing one's dress cannot detach one from this material world. The sannyasis of Kali Yuga who change their robes from white to saffron and then think they can do whatever they like are more abominable than materialistic grihastas. This is not recommended anywhere. Prajapati Daksha was right in pointing out this defect but he did not know that Mar Narad Muni had aroused the spirit of renunciation in the Hariyashvas and the Savalashvas through full knowledge. Such enlightened renunciation is desirable. One should enter the renounced order with full knowledge, jnana vairagya, 
For the perfection of life is possible for one who renounces this material world in that way. This elevated stage can be reached very easily as supported by the statements of Srimad Bhagavatam 127. Vasudeve Bhagavati Prabhakti Yoga Prayojita Janayatya Shuvairagyam Jnanam Jayat Ohoitukam By rendering devotional service unto the personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna, one immediately acquires causeless knowledge and detachment from the world. If one seriously engages in devotional service to Lord Vasudeva, jnana and vairagya are automatically manifest in one's person. There is no doubt of this. Pradhapati Daksha's accusation that Narad had not actually elevated his sons to the platform of knowledge was not factual. All the sons of Prajapati Daksha <coughs> had first been raised to the platform of jnana and had then automatically renounced this world. In summary, unless one's knowledge is awakened, renunciation cannot take place, for without elevated knowledge, one cannot give up attachment for material enjoyment. Thank you for coming to listen to us, oldies. <laughs> so <clears throat> it's explaining at the beginning of the purport that by changing dress, we can't, cannot create detachment. And I think that, you know, early on in our movement, that was the fault of some, because detachment was a really sought-after quality in the old days, more than more than it perhaps should have been. So everybody thought it was very impressive to be renounced. And many devotees, you know, try, wanted to take sannyasa at a young age and they thought that if I wear saffron and have a dunda, I'll be completely renounced. And uh, then they had to live with the consequences. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> and also he has explained that the modern day um, sannyasis, Prabhupada explains the Kali Yuga sannyasis and there are many, even like Babaji's uh, in Vrindavan, Radhakund you know, they wear the dress of the Babaji and they entice women and Prabhupada was so disgusted by their behaviours and you know like it, it's Prabhupada saying here it's worse, much worse to be a fake sannyasi than it is to be a, a householder who's materialistic so it's a strong, um, strong wording used against this um, taking up the so-called renounced order of life when the, in the heart, the heart is full of attachments. So <clears throat> early on in our movement, once again, talking about the, the times when people thought it was very good to be renounced, we had one, our wonderful leader in Australia was Madhudvisa Maharaj, and we all loved Madhudvisa Maharaj, Srila Prabhupada called him the Emperor of Kirtans. So he was our Aussie uh, sannyasi. So <laughs> I don't know how many years he did this because I went off to live in India, but the first year that he did it was probably 1973. He, did, he said, I'm going to follow Chaturmas and everyone can follow with me. Chaturmas means I only eat once a day, kitri, no salt, and I eat it off the floor. So some devotee said, uh-uh. I'm going in the Mahaprasadam line. And, and, and lots of devotees were there eating with Madhudvisa off the floor, Kitri, once a day. But as the four months went on, we noticed that there were less devotees sitting with Madhudvisa each day for the Kitri and longer lines for the Mahaprasad. And by the end of the four months, there were huge Mahaprasad lines and maybe one or two people with Madhudvisas. So we did actually have the spirit in our heart for renunciation. We wanted to because we thought that spiritual life means renunciation. So it's a wrong concept and it's taken us many years to understand that that, that is not what spiritual life is about. Spiritual life is to fill up your heart with love, uh, not to falsely try to be renounced. So. So everybody has a little spirit of renunciation. Like, for instance, most of us, well, we came from hippie backgrounds, and so we gave up our families and, um, you know, gave up lots of things that people treasured. 
And everybody can do it. You hear, oh, I'm going on a fast, I'm giving up everything, or I'm going to give up sugar, or I'm going to change my lifestyle. It's a possible thing that people can renounce because it's a quality of Krishna. It's one of the six qualities, all renunciation. He's the emperor. He's the greatest renunciate. Look at his life as Lord Ram. He gave up his kingdom. Then he gave up his wife. He's com he, he epitomizes renunciation. So we all have that little ability for renunciation within us. But, you know, of course, everybody has different amounts of different qualities. So some people are really into it and they, you know, uh, have a, a much more renounced lifestyle. Others find it very difficult. But we do have that within us because it's within Krishna. So... <clears throat> In the beginning of the movement, you will have heard that the devotees actually did renounce everything. But this is not false renunciation. This was renunciation for spiritual life. So renunciation in order to actually attain spiritual life is a good thing. And all of us, we gave up everything. You've got to tell your story about the money in the account. <laughs> anyway, we, we didn't have very much. I had a life savings of $200, and um, I, of course the temple took that $200 immediately, but $200 actually bought you a lot, considering $17 was the rent for a week, you know, so that was quite a lot of money. But um, really, we gave up everything. We just had um, saffron cloth, in the, originally we only had saffron cloth. We'd wrap six meters of saffron cloth around us, because there were no saris. And, um, and that's it, you know, we had three sets of clothes. And, um, you know, we just joined the temple and lived, slept on the floor. And it was a very simple life, but it was a happy life. That renunciation caused our heart to feel very joyful. And that's what real renunciation in knowledge causes the heart to feel happy. If you falsely renounce, then you're troubled because you've got the desires there. But if you renounce, like for your spiritual life, for your spiritual advancement, if you do it for the, the Lord, for a higher cause, for Guru, then that is a cause of great happiness within the heart. <laughs> so, um, so we know that um, Rupa Goswami said, um, encouraged everybody, yukta vairagya, um, to, to, to renounce to, to have a real renunciation with the spirit of knowledge. So um, that was, uh, that's the goal in spiritual life, not to be attached because we all have to leave this, this world and we have to leave this world with absolutely nothing, not even any clothes, and then the body's gone. So according to what we are carrying, our attachments that we're carrying, we are going to move them on into our next life and set up with those desires, they're all going to be there. Even at the end of time when there's full destruction and Lord Brahma recreates everything, we come out from that stage of sleep, but there's, it's not a blank slate because at the time of annihilation, we had desires within the heart. So those desires wake up and off we go again. So... We can't free ourselves from desires. We can't stop action. We have to have action all the time and we have to have desires. But our whole Krishna conscious philosophy is to move those desires um, to put Krishna in the center. So here we have these sons of Daksha. Uh, the father is criticizing Narad Muni that he's just told them to, to be detached and he's criticizing Narad Muni for detaching and putting on a saffron cloth and not having real renunciation. And that's what he's criticizing him for. But actually, we know the hearts of these sons of Daksha had been touched by what? They'd been touched by real knowledge. So unless we understand what we're renouncing and understanding why we're renouncing it, it's not going to last. So... <clears throat> um, <clears throat> So I just wanted to read a little bit, I know I haven't got much time, uh, from the Bhagavad Gita, just a little bit here. It's in the, um, the ninth chapter. So Prabhupada says in the purport, 
Anyone who has no other interest but to dedicate his life. <laughs> and that's why he gave equal importance to the women, to everybody, because it's the state of the heart that's important. And it's all actually that matters. So if we can think of ourselves as Krishna's eternal servant, and in that way renounce what's not going to be conducive for our spiritual life, then that's the perfection of renunciation. And thank you very much. So I'm going to move on. Oh, God. So, <laughs> so rena renunciation can only happen if there's something to renounce. <clears throat> so... Renunciation's talked about a lot in Iskon, but unless you know what that you've you have something to renounce, so one one has to know what he's renouncing and be fully aware of the of the miseries attachments are. So if you're not aware of something that you're renouncing, then how can you renounce it? So if I'm a poor man and say to another, "Oh, I'm re renouncing." my millions of dollars and my mansions. This is a poor man saying it. Well, because I'm so saintly, I'm gonna renounce all my millions of dollars and mansions, but he doesn't, he doesn't have that. So, but if the, that poor man has never had experiences of being rich and powerful, then what's the value of his words? So uh, he may later be incidentally rich, but then he may be excited and then he'll be more attached to that wealth because he's not because he's been poor so he has that kind of uh, experience but a rich man for example who experiences the luxury and the prestige of wealth and then he gives up he gives it all up because he wishes to advance in spiritual life he hears from a sadhu and he chooses my intelligence I'm going to give this up rather than falsely trying to renounce it then he's and he heard from sages or from you know spiritual Prakash's sons were from a powerful rich family so they were already you know their um, Daksha was Brahma's son so then we have um, that was a pretty powerful rich family they were like the head of the universe basically these progenitors so when Narada preached to them, they already had that um, the wealth and the knowledge to renounce. That the wealth to renounce, they were, you know, they had huge prestige, being, you know, the top of the chain in in any uh, living entities in the universe at the time. So, um, <clears throat> so when Narada preached to them, they took his in instructions to heart, and they gave up their, um, you know, prestige and wealth to become renunciates. Now, Daksha's sons, uh, well, Daksha, Daksha's sons were at first happy to follow their, their father's orders, so they were good devotees. They were following their father's orders because you know, it was coming handed down from uh, Vishnu and Brahma instructed Daksha to do this. So they were good sons, but... Of course, we know Narada Muni is a meddler and he interferes with many pastimes. We know he interferes here, he interferes there and that's you know, part of his service, part of Krishna's fun. So it's natural Daksha would be angry at Narada Muni even though Lord Brahma and Vishnu instructed his sons to get the universe populated. So we've got kind of a conflict going on here. And it's a big job. It's not like a small thing. Daksha gets it all organised, he gets his sons ready, and then Narada comes and messes it up. Now we can understand Daksha's going to be kind of a bit upset. So Daksha wanted to do it properly. He was ready to do it properly. He had his sons all ready, and the sons went to the... You know, they were ready to do it because the sons always followed their father in those days. <coughs> so then Narada comes along and puts the spanner in the works. So... The lesson is, one can't be attached to the result, despite one thinking, my service is important. So Dr. thinking, I'm going to do this, you know, he's sort of attached to the result. 
So anger doesn't solve the problem either. So um, we have to kind of think, is there any daksha in us? You know, like, so is there, a, and then we have to think, is there a greater plan by the Lord? And Narada is the instrument, is often instrumental in messing up people's best laid plans. So if one tries to do some service, but he's somehow thwarted in those attempts, then one shouldn't be angry at those around you. So we can probably all relate to this. We want to, I can, there's one devotee, <coughs> she's working on the TOVP. She's always ringing me up. They're not acknowledging me. They're not telling, you know, she's the designer. And I said, you can't be attached to the result. She said, but I want some, I want some acknowledgement. I want a plaque or something that I've done something for Prabhupada. But she's not getting it. And I said, maybe your lesson is to not be attached to the result. And she said, oh, there's so many lessons in life. And anyway, so she still, she rings me up again. They're not acknowledging me again. You know, I said. Maybe that, maybe you have to just, you've done the service, Krishna sees the service, you can't, you know, expect something back, you're expecting some result. So, Daksha was expecting this result. So, <clears throat> so what would Daksha could do differently? You know, you can maybe think about that, what could Daksha have done differently? Of course, these pastimes are all part of the Lord's plan. There are layers to these narrations, different layer upon layer, all these Bhagavatam stories. So one has to understand the many levels of the genius of Krishna's plans and be malleable to the will of the Lord. We all have to be malleable. You know, we think we're going to do this way and we're going to do it that way. We're going to get people to do this and we're going to fix the temple and we're going to do this preaching this way, but and then things don't go the way you want. So you get angry at everyone around you and curse the temple president and curse the, you know, the Sankatan leader. And <laughs> So... We don't want, above all, to offend devotees, and that's the greatest danger in our spiritual life. So, unfortunately, Daksha offended devotees and then he, he got a bad result. So it's kind of a lesson to look at the Daksha in yourself. <laughs> okay, Purus, <laughs> thank you very much. Sarabi, <laughs> or Hare Krishna. Um, yeah. I'm Rukmavati. Um, Dasi. Um, so I kind of went a different way. And, and we only found out last night that we were doing this. So please forgive any anomaly. But I kind of went a different way and um, I saw the last line of the sloka which says sneha pasha, sneha pasha, I have to take my glasses off, sorry, sneha pasha nikrintanam, um, which translated in the word for word as the bond of affection, destroying, destroying the bond of, or cutting the bond of affection. And the uh, word um, sneha attracted me. It means affection. And the word also means oil. It's thick like oil. And here we're sort of being given a bit of a hint about unless full knowledge is awakened... And Prabhupada talks about it also in the port, about this full knowledge being awakened. And here the first hint is being given of what that is, what is full knowledge. And it's this bond of affection that we have in the material world. You can change your dress, you can do so many different things in life. But where does our bond of affection lie? If it still lies within the material world, then uh, there won't be full knowledge. Full knowledge won't awaken. And <clears throat> Prabhupada talks about this uh, in regards to Ajamil. And he talks about how Sneha also means oil. 
And what is the uh, constitution of oil? Oil will slowly go down. And if it gets on your clothes, can you get it out easily? No, it's very hard to get out of your cloth if you get it on your cloth. And if, you, if it goes on concrete, how do you get oil out of concrete? This is the depth of our attachment to the material world, to material things. This affection that we have for everything, and not just in a human form. What are dogs affectionate about? They're affectionate, so many things, to their young. We're affectionate to our young. And Prabhupada explains that this affection generally goes down. Um, and he was talking about this in regards to Arjamil loving his youngest son. Uh, it's also spoken about uh, in other places in Srila Prabhupada's books. But this uh, affection, you know, we have affection for so many things, they're innumerable. And they stick to us like oil, like oil... You know, if it's honey, you can wash it off. It's, if it's milk, you can wash it off. It's anything you can wash off. But actually, affection in the material world, this bond of affection, it's binding us here in the material world. And all of our affections are different. We're all sitting here with individual consciousnesses. And, and what we really like is, you know, what we like is different from what someone else likes. But that affection is is sticking to us and holding this. But when knowledge is awakened, that affection goes somewhere else. That sneha goes to Shishiradha Krishna, to Guru, and so many... And, and that's actually the, the a hint being given here of how these uh, sons of Daksha, how, uh, you know, the difference between what Daksha is thinking and what... Sh Shulan Narad Muni imparted to them that their affection, their bond of affection had been cut in this material world and was uh, being placed somewhere else. And I was thinking, how can I relate this to Srila Prabhupada? And I thought, well, for us, Prabhupada was like our father and we were like his, we are like his children. And so he had a bond of affection for us that like the oil came down and somehow stuck to us. And because of that, we, you know, we could see it in everything and we still can see it in everything. And ultimately this will lead us, we'll see that actually, you know, Krishna has that same love and affection for us, that same sneha, that and 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 we'll see that everywhere. It's like, um, you know, what's the, I was reading something this morning about what's the different. Prabhupada was saying that there's you have, you know, when when someone becomes self-realized, the pure devotee. There's the material world and the spiritual world, but the the pure devotee doesn't see a difference. He doesn't see anything different. He sees the material world as a spiritual world because he's seeing Krishna everywhere. So that's when you appreciate Krishna's love and affection for us. Prabhupada used to say, you take one step towards Krishna, he'll take, he'll take a thousand towards you. He's just there waiting to give us this love and affection and bind us with it. In the same way, Krishna is bound by our love and affection. But... But that's a different story. Um, but the point is, you know, you can see Prabhupada and Krishna's, you know, it's, it's like the oil. It's like, it's like oil and if it gets on you, you can't help but notice. If you're walking around and you've got oil on your cloth, it's obvious. It's obvious to others and it's obvious to you. Oh. And it's at that... That's sort of just being hinted here in this verse. That's what I got from this. Hare Krishna.
So we're reading this verse. How many of you have been attending the Srimad Bhagavatam for the rest of the story, the story back? How many of you know that story? How, how many of you know how many sons Daksha lost? How many groups of sons? Hmm? Yeah, but how many groups? Two groups. Ah, learned very well. You see, that's why Daksha got so mad at Narana Muni, because the first group of his sons, they took very nicely to Narana Muni's instructions. And then there was another group, and they looked at their elder brothers, and they said, if our other elder brothers are doing this, there must be a reason. And so they wanted to know what Narada Muni had told their elder brothers. And when they heard it, they went, yes, this is very good. We are going to do this too. And so by the time we get to the 35th and the 36th chapter, and then we're getting on to the 40th, um, Daksha is so mad, so mad at Narada Muni. I'm trying to do this job that Lord Brahma gave me, Lord Vishnu gave me, and this Narada Muni, this cheeky guy, he's just coming along and he's telling these stories to my children, even though they're right. But he was mad because he couldn't do his job. And so therefore, when it got to chapter 40, I mean text 40, by that time, he was really mad. Someone came along and took all your sons away and made them into devotees, like our parents, like some of your parents, perhaps, got really mad when they found out they were going to be a devotee. And they tried everything to get the devotees to come back home. And Krishna was very kind. He helped us because actually... This is not just coming from one life. Prabhupada said, all of you were associates of Lord Chaitanya in your last life. But due to our karma, due to our desires, we got born in, in these families. Most of us, Western devotees, family of meat eaters, drinkers, smokers, all kinds of sinful activities. We didn't hear much about God. My mother and father, they sent all of us to Sunday school and they stayed home and slept. And so we went to the Sunday school and after some time, I said to the Sunday school teacher, I've got a question. And he said, what is your question? I said, I want to know what God looks like. And he said, you don't ask questions like that. And then I thought to myself, I was 13 years old, and I thought to myself, if there's a question, there must be an answer. So then, after that I left. And of course there was an answer. So if the, then we go through the stage of, oh, we get involved in the hippie movement and everything, oh, there is no God. You start taking some terrible things and then you start to think there is no God. But then this material world, it's such an, a nasty place. Then after some time, you become very, very frustrated. And when I was very young, I used to talk to God. I'd go in my yard, I'd sit down, and I'd talk to him, and ask him things, and that. And so then we get to the point, later on in our life, when we start trying to enjoy as teenagers, then we become very frustrated. And then we start with tears in our eyes. We say, please God, I'm sorry that I forgot you. I want to know it's us in contact with the devotees. You see? And see, the, the sons of Narada Muni, they were devotees already. Right? And very, very pure devotees. And then when Daksha gave them all the information. I mean, um, when Narada Muni spoke to them and gave them all the information about how to advance the spiritual life, immediately they renounced everything and became full-time devotees. And then 
the brothers later on, they also heard what the, the older brothers were doing, which happens many times, isn't it, in families? How many of you uh, have older brothers and or older sisters? And you watch them and see what they're doing. And you think, oh, I want to do that. Sometimes we, we go down the wrong track in the beginning. I remember when I was young, I never wanted to wear makeup. I didn't want to shave my legs. But my sister, she said, you have to do that. You have to do that. You can't not do that. You have to do it, right? And so I went and did all these things. And later on, I just thought, no, this is mad. I don't want to do it anymore. And then I didn't do it anymore, right? But we get taken in by family members, isn't it? But these second sons, they got taken in by all the good qualities, and they've seen that our brothers, they have something very special, and so then they took to it. But like our fathers and mothers, they used to get really mad. You become devotee, right? And sometimes they even sent the deprogrammers to get us back from, from these Hare Krishnas that are so renounced and all the rest of it. But later on, they began to realize they're not so bad. Look, they're getting married. They're having children, and especially grandchildren. They were very happy when we had their grandchildren. And then they began to think, well, we're not so bad. We're normal. Yes. But Daksha, he had every right to get mad. Wouldn't you think? When one set of sons got taken, then another set of sons got taken. So then he's cursing Narada Muni. You took my children. You are coming forward to be such a renounced person, but actually what you're doing is wrong. So out of anger, he was saying that. And we know the story about Daksha later on. What did he do? Who did he curse? That was to his detriment. Hmm? Anyone know? Lord Shiva. You know the story about Lord Shiva. And he got a head of a goat. Got his head cut off and got the head of a goat. You see? So we know about Daksha and his anger and everything like that. So that's just showing us. But also, when one wants to be renounced, you have to do it in a sincere way, a very sincere way, because it won't last. You might be renounced, and then sometime later, something will come along, and it will track you back again. So you have to be very, very careful. And when you're renouncing, you have to do it in the right way. It's like old saying, better to be a... Um, Better to be an honest householder than a fallen sannyasi, right? Because in the beginning, everyone, brahmacharis, they all wanted to be sannyasis, sannyasis. And Prabhupada made so many sannyasis because he thought they're young. And actually, they, they did a lot for spreading on Krishna consciousness. But they weren't being real. After some time, they either went away or they became a householder again. And then they were honest, right? Being a householder and being themselves. So it's brahmachari sannyasi is not for everyone. And don't feel that because I'm a householder that I'm fallen and that I can't be as good as a sannyasi. You can be. And every one of us can be guru. Prabhupada said, all of you can be guru, all of us, because guru means teacher. Whether you have a lady's body, a male body, doesn't matter, even a child can be guru. Prabhupada taught us you can learn something from everyone, even from the animals you can learn. So you have to become conscious, and this is what's really renounced, being conscious, and then you are a guru. You're teaching your children. You are guru to those children. Matajis, we are teaching all the younger generation. 
men and women. We are guru, right? And and then you've got the the gurus in the in the form of uh, spiritual master. But Prabhupada said, every one of us a guru because we're all teachers. You might not have a label, but it doesn't mean that you're not the guru, the teacher. Hare Krishna. Yeah, questions. Questions and comments. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyone has any questions? You can, you can uh, give the questions to anyone you like, whichever one you liked what they said, you ask them. Hmm? No questions? So you know what Prabhupada said about no questions? Oh, there's a question. Oh, <laughs> the problem. Yes. So how do we encourage different people who are situated in different, their different sort of mindset about renouncing things? So, so what would you recommend? Srila Prabhupada said that renunciation in the age of Kali is uh, no intoxication, no gambling, no meat-eating, and no illicit sex. And even amongst devotees, if you can find one devotee who can do that, that's very good. You know, you know, yeah. It's <laughs> so he said that's, that's actually renunciation in the age of Kali. Because the whole rest of the world is doing that, those four... That's, that's their aim in life, that they're taught from you know, very young age, that as soon as you're old enough, you go find a girlfriend. You know, as soon, you know, and, and it's all there. So just to be able to do that is, uh, and follow the process of Krishna consciousness, you know, rise early. You know, <laughs> we kind of harp on about this a bit, but... But it's a process. It's a, you know, if you want to, it, it, it's like everything. If, if you want to get a result, you have to put the effort in. And not that everything's dependent on effort. No, actually, for us, everything's dependent on the mercy of Guru. But how do you attract that mercy? It's through putting in, you know, the effort. Anyway, I'm sure you've got some. And also, you know, we kind of, our association is tremendously important. And amongst devotees, we choose who we associate with because um, we know the devotees that like to talk about Krishna and, and that you can have, you know, like a, a nice uh, Krishna conscious relationship with. And similarly, you know, the brahmacharis um, can encourage each other. Um, and of course, with this in the sannyasis, they sort of have a separate life, but they also encourage each other. So, it it is important for all devotees to remember, um, you know, our 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 sole purpose is to put Krishna first. And um, our method, of course, Srila Prabhupada gave us the same method for everybody. But within that, we can associate with devotees, with whom you feel some encouragement, you know. If, it's a kind of a natural thing, you know, like even Prabhupada said, birds of a feather flock together, you know. Actually, he, he, one time he went on a morning walk and he came to a, a tree and there was a bunch of bird stool underneath the tree. And he said, what does this mean? So all the devotees were racking their brains, oh my gosh, this, what does the stool mean? And they were giving all these suggestions what this bird stool means. And about three devotees suggested things. Prabhupada says, it means, he used to say birds. Birds of a feather flock together. 
So amongst devotees too, you know, we, we know who will encourage us and who will help us. And, you know, there's devotees that kind of act as a mentor. You know, you, you can get that sort of, sort of shiksha kind of relationship, but in a, you know, nice way. So it's up to us really, you know, like our, our whole goal is to be completely enthusiastic about Krishna. And so it's kind of like, you know, it's watering the tree. So we have to go where we feel the best nurturing. So, um, you know, number one is to be respectful to all, no matter what their situation is. And number two is to find out those devotees that you, you know, feel very encouraged by and also to encourage others in, in their path, whether it's renunciation or whatever. I was going to say, <coughs> are you thinking that <coughs> being a brahmachari or sannyasi is renounced, but who would give up their, the brahmachari position or the free life of a brahmachari to take on a family, kids, got to get a job, working? All these problems are coming. So basically, who would want to do that? So... But, so in our householder community, that is also renounced. You should have many, many kids, bring them all up as devotees, and that's renunciation. So, and also, if you're thinking, well, I'd like to be a sannyasi or I'd like to stay brahmachari, but then you have to also think, is there a little bit of false ego involved there? Because in the early days, <coughs> the people that got married were considered like you know, the bottom of the barrel. And everyone was trying to stay brahmachari, but there was a lot of false ego involved. I'm a big brahmachari, I'm a renunciate, I've achieved this, I don't have to get married, and all these things. But then you look at all the householders, who's supporting the temple, who's training up all their children, who's bringing more children into the movement. The brahmacharis can tend to be a little bit self-centered because they're, you know, so we have to kind of consider these things that everyone's actually renounced in ISKCON, they're doing their renunciation in their own way. So one has to be a little concerned because we have a lot of sannyasis who become very puffed up. And then it's, you know, the story of Purna Musika Bhava. You know, they become so proud that again become a mouse. <laughs> and I've noticed that a lot of the sannyasis that fell down, they had to go to the bottom and now they've become normal devotees, whereas before they used to live the high life and, you know, they were often kind of quite rude to the women or this and that. So then Krishna goes, no. <laughs> Purna Musika Bhava. <laughs> okay, so now it's 8.30 and uh, we'd like to finish on time. But first, one more thing from Sarabi. Um, your question was, how do you... How do you... Did you take that from? How do you en encourage those ones who are in the renounced order? You know, that they want to perhaps achieve that goal. And you see that in them, right? But you have to be careful. It's better just to, um, like, what Prabhupada said. He said, we're not a, we're not a Grihasa. We're not a, a, a um, Brahmacharini. We're not a Brahmachari. We're not a Sanyasi. We're eternal servants of Krishna. So if we all think we're eternal service of Krishna, it doesn't matter what your position is, right? Sometimes the householders get really wild. I'm going to become sannyas and forget the family. I remember <laughs> my husband did that to me. I was only a young girl, not even 30 years old. And one day he came home and said, I'm going to become a sannyas. I had two little girls, one was two and one was three. And I went to the temple president and I said, my husband said he wants to become a sannyas. And I said, but what am I going to do? I've got these two little children. He said, don't worry, Surabi. He's not going to become a sannyasi. <laughs> I will talk to him. He never became a sannyasi, not to this day. <laughs> and so... You can encourage these devotees that want to be renounced, but it might be later on that they realize that's really not me, you know. Because Prabhupada made loads of sannyasi, and they all fell away. 
And we just had a quote the other day, I think it was on the um, daily quote from Srila Prabhupada, and he was saying, no more sannyas, no more. So many are falling down, no more sannyas. And actually, Prabhupada hardly gave, after that time, sannyas to anyone. Only after Prabhupada left, they started giving sannyas again, you know. But it's not the goal of life. The goal of life is to love Krishna. And the goal of every tradition, whatever they call themselves, the goal is to love God. Isn't it? Yes. To love God above everything. Hare Krishna, and thank you so much. We have to, oh, I have to tell you, we're having a program today. And if you want to hear more nectar, this is all going to be Prabhupada nectar, right? And it's at Point Cook at Jada Brad's house from 11 to 3. And the program is we're going to talk about Srila Prabhupada. And it's our 50th year, Mataji Rasavani, 50 year, 51 years, and me 51 years, Rukmavadi and Ambika 50 years serving Srila Prabhupada. And we're going to tell you all kinds of lovely stories about Shrivalfan and our relationship with you. And if we've got some photos, we'll show you our photos of us with Srila Prabhupada. And then we'll talk about the time since Prabhupada left until now what we've been doing. And then we're going to get you all up with a wampus stomper kirtan, so from the old days. And we want you to bring your dancing shoes or your dancing socks. And if you dance good enough, guess what's going to happen? Then we're going to feed you. <laughs> but in between that, we're going to give very nice gifts to all of the four or five proper disciples that are 50 years in Christian consciousness. So please come. I know I sent out a, a message and some of you couldn't see it, it was a bit blurry, but I didn't know on my side. And, and I know you like special events. I heard there was a hundred something devotees here for Jai Bhattaka Maharaj's Prashadam last night. Hmm? So are you gonna, all going to come? Are you all going to come? Yeah. Who wants some nice prashadam and some nice nectar? Hmm? Please come. Or else I'll think you don't like me. And I went to so much trouble to bring my god sisters here, and especially for you younger generation, so that you can one time hear from Prabhupada's daughters. You don't get many of his daughters come here. Hmm? Isn't it true? So this is a very special thing. Please come. I beg you. Okay? Alibor.